0: You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. We're going to finish our series entitled Growth this morning, but we're not done growing. I said we're not done growing. The Lord has put in my heart that 2010 would be a year of growth. Uh, boy, when you sign up for that, it means a whole lot of things. A lot of change and different things come. We're not necessarily talking about numerical growth for the church. I do believe with all my heart we will see significant uh, numerical growth in the church. But that's a byproduct. And uh, you really don't overly concern yourself with byproducts. We'll talk about that in just a moment. You can concern yourself with the main issues. You keep the main thing the main thing. And we're talking about spiritual growth and that that would happen in each of our lives. One of the things that we've... uh, uh declared each week is is if we're honest if we're humble we realize that and acknowledge i need to grow nod your head do something if yeah i need to grow second thing is you need to decide i want to i want to grow i'm tired of just needing to i want to grow come on but thirdly you have to you have to commit you have to commit that i will cooperate with god And that's how growth comes, by us cooperating with God. I don't have time to go back and review everything, but I do want to make big mention of that. That growth comes as you cooperate with God. It doesn't happen by biblical osmosis, that if you carry your Bible close enough to your your heart, you know, suddenly things will be better. Um, It doesn't come just by coming to church. It comes by applying and doing some things. Growth and progress, if we want them to be permanent in our life, and don't you want that to happen? Now, I know it wouldn't be any of y'all, but there's some people that, and we'll take a random assortment here. Maybe their finances, they finally got that paid off, that credit card or whatever. And that's where they wanted to be. And next thing you know, got to have that, got to have that, and have to have that. And you know what? Then they're back where they were. Or exercise or diet and get to where you want to be. And all of a sudden you go back to where you were again. We want permanent change in our life. Progressive change, permanent change in our life. And it happens, and this is very important that you understand this. It's not just, you know, leap ahead to this or just, you know, some kind of Scotty beam me up and then, and then you're there. This happens in small, ordered steps. Small, ordered steps. And as you cooperate with God, He will order your steps. Now, it is like... The game of life at times where sometimes you land on a space and by God's favor, he will move you forward three spaces. How many of you like those? We also have to tell you too, and our message will get involved in this a little bit today too. Sometimes you land on a spot and you've got to go back. And there's reasons and we're going to kind of explore a little bit of that today because we need to understand how this whole growth thing works in our life. Now we're talking about spiritual growth because you have to grow from the inside out. You prosper, you succeed, you have a good journey, that Greek word you there, that happens from the inside out. You prosper as your soul prospers. It's from the inside out that it happens. And so, spiritual growth, and this SG will stand for spiritual growth, it comes from two things. Do you remember what they were? I'd like to welcome all of you for the first time here. (laughs) You do what the Bible says to do. Everybody say, do what the Bible says to do. And the second thing, and there's a big and here because it has to go together. Do you remember the second one? There you are. You were just a little late. That's all it was. And we are to walk with God. And when you and I do what the Bible says to do. And, and this is huge, and walk with God, the result is going to be spiritual growth in our life. And this is the thing about growth, that it's going to affect and impact everything that you're connected to when you grow spiritually. So when we talk about growth, you you want to ask the question, what does that look like? What is the goal of that? And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, till we all come To the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect or mature, complete man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The message Bible puts it this way. Fully mature adults, speaking spiritually, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. And so it's maturity. And what it does is spiritual maturity. It affects the whole man. It affects you spirit, soul, body. It affects all the realms of your life. So as you and I grow in, in positive directions, spiritual growth, guess what? It's going to impact everything. It will change your relationships. It, it will change your stewardship. It will change your approach, your mindset, your self-worth. It, it, will, it will affect all of those things as we grow in these things. And so, you know, again, it brings us back to I need to grow I want to grow and I will commit to cooperate with God so that this can happen in my life. Now, one of the ways that we measure this and one of the things that's going to happen in this process is the more that we grow spiritually, then the more and more free we're going to become from sin. And maybe you want to be free. Well, the more we grow in this, the more and more free... We're going to be from sin. And the more and more like Jesus, we're going to become. And so this is what happens. The more and more free we, we become from sin and the more and more we become like Jesus. Now, let's talk about sin just for a moment. Sin damages whatever it touches. Sin ruins whatever it connects with. It corrupts, it corrodes, it leaves a mess, in wherever sin is, don't you ever think that you have some kind of private sin that doesn't affect anybody or anything. Not so. The actual wages of sin is death. And so what happens is it it will kill confidence. It'll, it'll hurt you emotionally. It will do all kinds of things in your life. Whatever whatever sin touches, it corrupts, it corrodes, it damages, it ruins, and it creates Problems. Everybody say problems. Now, go with me here for a moment. Cars have problems. How many of you ever had a car that had a problem? I have. And I'm not going to go into all the stories of several cars I've had that have had problems. Cars have problems that, for the most part, can be fixed. Lawnmowers. Have problems How many of y'all ever Had a lawnmower mower with a problem uh, Recently I watched Somebody come help One of my neighbors And I, I should have gone down there But by the time I would have got down there They finally had it But two guys just wearing themselves out Trying to pull that thing And finally somebody else came out And looked and they are all looking And then they turned something And then, and then, then it got going Cars have problems that can be fixed. Lawnmowers have problems that can be fixed. Computers have problems that can be fixed. But people have directions that need to be changed. So a lot of the reasons that we have problems is just because of the direction that we're going in. And I think that it's not efficient for us to just look at our problems. Because it may have to do, and I suggest that it does, it has to do with your direction it's the path that you're on. It's the road that you're traveling. And that's why you're having those problems. It's because of the direction. And, and we mistreat in that we have not uh, zeroed in on what really needs to be treated when we're only trying to deal with our problems. Because I'm going to tell you what, that's like chasing brush fires just all over the place. What, what really needs addressed is our direction in life. So those things have problems that can be fixed, but people have directions that need to be changed. Would you admit that this morning? Now, as we grow, remember that it has to do with small, ordered steps. And you take those steps on a path. You go in a direction that God would have for you. And the wrong path is going to cost you dearly. If you get on the wrong path, that's going to cost you dearly. And let me tell you this. Sometimes you see people on the wrong path. Nobody at nine o'clock would be on the wrong path. But how many of you have maybe read or seen or, or actually observed somebody on the wrong path? And what happens when you observe a person on the wrong path, you're stumped. You go, why are they acting that way? Why did they do that? They've never been like that before. What are they thinking? Why do they talk that way now? Why do they go there? Why do they do that now? And a lot of things you do only because of the path that you're on. You wouldn't normally do those things if you weren't on that path. It has to do with the path. So we're trying to isolate problems. We're trying to isolate wrong behavior when the real thing that needs to change is our direction. Yeah. Say direction. direction. All right. Let's go a little bit further with this. In Psalm uh, 16 verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. It says, you will show me the way or the path of life. God will show you which way to go. Granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And so the Lord will show us. Listen, if we will cooperate with him, if we will take those small and ordered steps, he says that he will show us the path. He will show us the direction that we need to go on. How many of you know that God is not going to steer you wrong? Well, for the rest of you, God will not steer you wrong. Okay. Now, let me, let me show you something about path here and about direction. Right out in front of us here, let's just take this road. And um, we have Southwest 20th Street. Here's the church. And here's the steeple. Or see all the people. All right. And this is Southwest 20th. And if you head West on Southwest 20th, you're going to come to 60th. 60th. And right here's the airport. little airplane. And actually now we have a tower too out there, which is pretty cool. Pastor, why are you doing all this? To make a real point that you can see. I don't care who you are. If you pull out of here and take a right and head west on Southwest 20th, I don't care who you are. If you get on that path and you stay on that path, you will arrive right here. There's an intersection, so to speak. It dead ends into 60th. There's a traffic light right there. I don't care who you are. If you get on that path and stay on that path, it will take you to right there. Now, in a positive sense, you get on the right path. Let's say this is the right path. And I'm trying to get there. If you get on that path, I don't care who you are. If you get on the path of doing what the Bible says to do and walking with God, I don't care who you are. If you do those things, it will bring you to that right destination. But if it's a negative path, I don't care who you are. I don't care how smart you think you are, how slick you've been. It will take you there. No, not me. I've seen other people go on that path. And I saw what happened to them, but that won't happen to me. Listen, I don't care who you are. If you get on a path and you stay on the path, it will take you where that path goes. You can you can take the turnpike. And if you get on the turnpike and you stay on the turnpike, it will take you to Miami. I don't care who you are. If you get on it and you stay on it, that's where it's going to take you. Any questions? All right. So we've got to understand that the problem for most of us is we get on the wrong path. And what we've got to do is get back on the right path and stay on the right path. How many of you have been guilty before talking about paths like this of a lot of U-turns? I remember going along, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What am I doing? All right. Y'all just heard about it, but anyway. So consistently going in the right direction, you need to know this. Consistently following God, you're going to end up happy, stable, Fruitful, blessed, and a blessing. If you stay on the right path. You get on it, you stay on it. You go God's way, you get on it, you stay on it. You're going to end up happy, stable, fruitful, blessed, and you'll be a blessing. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Life is real. I mentioned happy first. Did you know that's not the goal of life? So many people are confused about that in our lollipop age of video games and quick everything and that the goal of life is to be happy. The goal of life is to be fruitful and productive. That's the goal of life. And so if if you, if your goal in life, happiness is a byproduct. I want to be happy more than you want to be happy. Come on. And I want you to be happy. And the Lord wants you to be happy. But he says, you're happy when you do the right things. You read Psalm 1, blessed or happy is the man. He's following after God's way. It's a byproduct. And we're kind of made to want that in our life. How many of you want to be happy? My son Joshua, he's 18 now. When he was little and he'd get in trouble, he'd, he'd come and ask us after he was in trouble. Can I be happy now? <laughs> mm, okay. And then, you know, get, get back in, into happiness. But see, there's a lot of false advertisement out there as far as happiness. There are a lot of signs up leading to other directions saying, happiness, this way, 17 miles. Happiness, go down here and take a left. have me even know there's some false advertisement out there. This morning I noticed when I was taking my shower and my, my shampoo, it says real big on the, on the bottle. It says thickening. That's false advertising. But I'm afraid to stop using it. This might be working. Anyway, that's none of your business, but anyway. So, stop being a happiness chaser. Stop being a thrill seeker. Stop all of that and get yourself settled down and settled in. Where we can grow because just as the Lord wants you to be happy, stable, fruitful, blessed, and to be a blessing, guess what? Here's what the enemy wants for you. He wants you to be fearful, hopeless, insecure, discontent, negative, busy, distracted, isolated. You know why? Because fear and depression love to come visit you when you're alone and when you're insecure. And when you're negative and when you're fearful, I'll tell you what, here comes depression and fear. Oh, glad to catch you by yourself. And so that's what the enemy wants for you. And how many of you know that the enemy is a thief? Uh, Let me read this to you because I I was thinking about this when I mentioned being busy and distracted. The enemy wants that in your life. In Proverbs uh, Proverbs 4, verse 25 through 27, it says, keep your eyes straight ahead. It has to do with directions. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. It's a matter of staying on track, staying on the course. Now, remember that the enemy is not looking for your strengths. He's looking for your weaknesses. The enemy, I mean, just think about the three little pigs and the big bad wolf. Okay, he's looking for open windows. He's looking for unlocked doors. He's looking for a way to get in because he's a thief. He's not looking for your strengths. That's why I take heed lest when you think you stand that you fall because the areas that you're strong good for you Good for you that you're strong, but this is a a reminder that we've got to continue to grow. We've got to continue to grow because whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, you have an enemy. And the enemy, like I said, he wants you fearful and negative and hopeless and insecure and all of those things that we talked about. And he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for the weak one that falls away from the pack, the one who isolates himself, the one that's gone thrill-seeking or happiness-seeking, just out and away and like that. And he's looking to gulp you down. So all the more reason that we would grow. In Proverbs 25, verse 28, in the Message Bible, it says, A person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. So if you don't have self-control, it's like your doors and your windows are knocked out, giving an opening for the enemy. Now, if you remember, the more that we grow, though, the more and more free from sin you become and the more and more you become like Jesus. And the more and more free from sin you are, the more and more self-control you have. And the more and more self-control you have as a result of spiritual growth, you're going to be able to take care of those windows and lock those doors and make sure that you are safe and secure. Are you with me so far? Now, I want to move on to something that may not be real popular upon first hearing, but I want you to hear me out on this. This path, and let's just say that this is the path that God has for us here. This path path that we're on is not without effort. And here's the other part. I was going to ease in on you. And it's not without pain. Pain. It's not without pain. Sometimes we think, oh, no. But see, the thing is, well, let me work on it this way. We learn in the classroom or we learn by crisis. We learn in the classroom or we learn by crisis. When we learn by in the, in the classroom, there's less pain. If you take the lesson, so to speak, and you go, okay, and I'll do it that way, there's going to be a whole lot of less pain in your life. But if you learn by crisis, how many of you have ever learned by crisis? When you learn by crisis, there's a lot more pain. And too often, though, we learn by crisis. And so there's pain involved. Regarding effort, there are no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. You know, you get on the path, you stay on the path. There are no shortcuts. There are better ways sometimes to do things. You're going to have obstacles and things come along in that path. And there's effort. You've got to put some effort into it. He's a rewarder of those who diligently, diligently seek Him. And I believe that we're to put effort in whatever we do for the Lord. Whatever you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do for the glory of God. And I don't think you can put out a half effort, little mealy mouth, sissified little effort, half caring. And and believe for a moment that that's going to glorify God. And especially to overcome all that we've got to do along this path. Though God is helping us, there's effort involved. I want to move on and talk about pain for a moment. Now I want you to listen to this statement before you just listen to it. Listen to it. Sometimes we need discouragement rather than encouragement. Now wait, just just hear it. Sometimes we need discouragement rather than encouragement. Encouragement. If somebody's on the wrong path going the wrong way, I don't think their friends need to surround them and say, it's all good. Because it's not all good. And somebody's on the wrong path headed in the wrong way, I don't think you should encourage them and say, I had to work out. Because it will not work out. And when a person is on the wrong path, I don't think you should encourage them. I think you need to say, do you know where that path is at? Can I show you pictures of people who took that path? And so sometimes we need discouragement rather than encouragement. Case in point, every, every Saturday, we're in a little season now with our champions ministry. And on Saturdays, there's sports, uh, there's basketball games going on in our gym all day long. And it starts out with the little guys, they, they turn the court, well, they don't actually turn the court, they lower some, it's quite a gym. We turn the court, it's, it's amazing. Uh, they have goals that come down the side and they've lowered them to eight feet, and we've got two games going on. And these, these little guys, they don't know anything yet, they know that's the ball. And they have different colored shirts and, you know, and they're learning the game. They're starting to get a hold of this and everything. And, uh, on, and then throughout the day, there's age-wise, it goes all the way, um, you know, into adults are, are playing. Over 1,000 people go through that gym every, every Saturday. It's just an awesome thing that's going on. And uh, I was watching a couple weeks ago. I got there earlier for, uh, early for Gabriel's game, and uh, he's in the fourth to sixth grade slot. And I was watching the little guys run cross court and they're they're playing their little game. And all of a sudden, and and I've had a couple of my boys do this before in their sports history. Uh, All of a sudden, one of our little guys got the ball. And he made a break for it. The wrong direction. Now at that point, and I won't tell you who his father is who's on staff. I might reveal it later, but, but uh, catch me after service. Uh, at that point, you don't go, yeah, that's my son. Do that layup I taught you. Yeah. No, at that point, you're not encouraging them. At that point, you're going, no, 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 it's the wrong way. Unfortunately, one of his own teammates went and fouled him in flagrant and knocked it away. Sometimes we need discouragement rather than encouragement. And life is not a video game. We don't get extra lives and bonus points and have cheater codes and all that stuff. Sometimes reality and consequences actually have to hit your life. Now, let me tell you the way that God prefers to do it. God prefers to deal with you and to confront you. And if you'll respond to that and change, things will change. But if you ignore God's confrontation, if ignore God dealing with you, then I believe there are times where he says, all right, path goes that way. And I know what's in that path. And then you run into consequences. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You run into things at that point. And sometimes we've got to allow reality and consequences to actually touch somebody's life. And sometimes as parents or as friends or whatever, we just want to protect them and do all of that. And we should. And that's, that's ingrained in us. But there comes a point sometimes where you can no longer encourage somebody. You actually have to discourage them. This is the wrong path. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's going to be all good. And it's going to be okay. And it's going to work out just somehow. No, you stay on that path. You know where that path is going to go. And I love you enough to tell you that. And love them and continue to love them even though they may find themselves in touch with reality and in touch with consequences. Listen to this. Sometimes disappointment turns out to be divine appointment. Sometimes disappointment turns out to be divine appointment. And sometimes human interruption turns out to be divine disruption. I I won't divulge this right now, but a young man who's very, very close to us and he's in school studying for the ministry right now. Years ago, though, he got on the wrong path. Everybody say wrong direction. He got on the wrong direction. And I was straight up with him. I called him and said, come meet me for breakfast. Where normally he, you know, he'd always jump at that, but I knew he's on the wrong path. When you're on the wrong path, it takes you a little while to turn around and come back and meet somebody for breakfast. He's trying to tell you about the right path. And I warned him and I talked to him and I loved him and I did not encourage him. I discouraged him. And it wasn't long after that that he ended up with a, with a DUI and he ended up and he spent a night in the belly of a whale. And he heard God. And his life changed. And you know what? What seemed to be a disappointment, what seemed to be an interruption turned about, out to be a divine appointment and a divine disruption. You remember Jonah headed the wrong direction, going the wrong direction away from God. And God said, you know, I see you out there and I love you this much. And you know, the rest of the story. And he ended up in the belly of a whale and vomited up, headed right back in the right direction. You map it out. And he spit him out in the right direction, you know, and I don't want to get spit out in the right direction. I'd rather go which way you know, then to go through all of that indigestion. Amen. <laughs> I put this online this week and I'm, I'm wrapping up this morning. The root of all insecurity. The root of all insecurity is a belief that God is not actively involved or God is not interested in the details and the difficulties of your life. Listen to me. That's the root of fear and insecurity in your life is that God is not Actively involved. And God is not interested in the details and difficulties of your life. And let me tell you something. God is so involved in the details of your life. And God is so interested in the details of your life. God is good. Exclamation point. But God knows everything. And God is riding herd. And he's watching you. You're never out of reach. And you're never out of sight. And there are things that God will allow. And sometimes I think there's things that God just knocks over into your path. The out to be a divine appointment, a divine disruption, because the only way that you need to be going, God knows that way and you need to go that way. And when and and the only time you're going to feel insecure and fearful is when you think that God is not involved and God is not interested and you couldn't be any further from the truth. Even when you're at your lowest, lowest point, as far down that road as you've ever been in your life, I want you to know something. God is involved and God is interested. And he's still trying to get you to turn around and head on back. In Luke chapter 15, and we won't turn there right now, but there is a young man and we just call him the prodigal son. And he gathered up his inheritance early and he didn't have the character to handle it. And he went off to a far country and he spent all that he had on riotous living. And then the money's gone, the parties are over, the friends are gone, famine hits the land. He is way down the wrong road. And at that point, the Bible says he's working for a citizen of the country. He's feeding their pigs and he's Jewish. And at that point, it says that he came to himself. He says, I am starving. He couldn't eat what he was feeding the pigs. He said, the pigs are eating better than I am because this is where my road has taken me. And so at that point, the Bible says he came to himself. And you know what you do when you come to yourself? A big Yui. You do a big Yui and turn around and come back and you can do that. And and I'm telling you what, that's what God is after. The consequences that lead you to turn to grace, I think, are an act of grace in themselves. And here's the big takeaway for you this morning, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Here's the big takeaway. And you've, you've heard me say this for about a year since I, since I ran across this. The best thing that can happen to you is to find out what's wrong with you. Best thing that can happen to me is to find out what's wrong with me. And a lot of the things that are wrong, a lot of the things, why am I thinking that way? Why am I acting that way? Why am I talking that way? Why am I hanging out with them? Why am I going? All the things, those, those things are life. To find those things out, listen, to find those things out, a lot of times it has to do with the path that you're on. And so the best thing that could happen to you or me is to find out what's wrong with me. And I'll tell you what it usually is, your direction. It's usually your direction. So the Bible gives us this word. You may never have heard this word before. It's called repent. And I won't take the time right now with scripture to do it, but it's in there plenty of times. And let me give you the Tim Gilligan paraphrase of repent. Cut it out, turn around, and come home. Cut it out, turn around, and come home. Whatever path you get on and you stay on, your destination is already defined. Your growth is either hindered or it's propelled by the path that you get on and you stay on your direction. And growth comes when you do what the Bible says to do and you walk with God. And listen to me, don't zone out yet. When you do what the Bible says to do and you walk with God, that will put you in and keep you in the right direction. Let me close with this scripture in Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six in the new living. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? Because you can't trust your heart and do not depend on your understanding. Why? Because you don't know enough. I don't know enough. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. And the path that you and I are going to take is growth. Growth. We're going to do what the Bible says to do. Come on, nod at me something. We're going to do what the Bible says to do. And we're going to walk with God. And that's going to put you in the right direction. That's going to keep you in the right direction. Whatever path you get on and you stay on, it's going to take you to where that road goes to. And for us, it's going to be growth. Amen? Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord.